Hello and welcome to Mobile Growth, the podcast series where frontline growth marketing experts share their insights and experiences so you can become a better mobile marketer, a growth marketer. That's what it's all about here. I'm your host, Peggy Ann Saltz from Mobile Groove. And on my watch, this series will introduce you to the people who know how to drive growth, either because they have themselves grown their app and have a great story to share. Some of them are companies that have tools and technologies that you need to know about to grow your app. And in today's case, it's the former. We're going to be talking to an amazing woman who has her own app company. She's going to tell us about that app and about herself. So our guest today is Victoria Repa. She is CEO and co-founder of Better Me. Victoria, first of all, great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. I love reading about your bio. You are a very interesting woman. I mean, not only are you the CEO and co-founder of an app that we're going to hear about because it's really doing extremely well, but um, you also yourself, you know, have built up, I would say, quite a profile. You know, you're a contributor to the next web passionate digital marketer. Um, you, you walk the talk. You love a healthy lifestyle. Um, you were at Stanford, executive program alumni. I mean, Victoria, tell me a little bit about yourself because, you know, it's probably an interesting journey that got you where you are. What inspired you? Okay. Uh, now I'm 26 years old. And, oh, so old. <laughs> uh, and about my personal uh, story, I'm uh, from a small Ukrainian village, and my school was so tiny. I only had 12 classmates, and each lesson was barely 20 minutes long. Hmm. Throughout my early years, I excelled at formal education, but I knew that to excel at life, I had to learn many more things outside of the classroom on my own. So I intentionally became an autodidact and reading every book from my childhood. And I was lucky because I get the free education in the best uh, university in Ukraine. It's the Kiev School of Economics founded by George Soros. And then as a great student, I was joined to the big corporation. It's uh, in FMCG sector. It was Procter and Gamble, hmm. and uh, I work in as finance manager. <laughs> it's really different from digital marketing. And after one year, I get really good experience in project management, in product, and I just understand that for me it's some a little bit boring to develop companies at 180 years on the market. So after one year, I want to try something new. I saw that a big company accelerator in my country is Genesis uh, that provide product and marketing education, like product marketing school. So I joined and then as the best student, switched to the big media project mm -hmm. in this company and um, from the first day uh, I work with uh, some of the co-founders of this big uh, company uh, and uh, when the idea of Better Me was born I became the first employee and then CEO and co-founder of this business. 
I'm going to ask you more about that in just a moment, but I'm also interested, Victoria, in how you got your head around, you know, apps, app marketing. You started, as you said, you have a, you know, a track record at P&G, um, old company, oh. you know, and now yeah. you've got new company, which is, you know, mobile first app companies. They're always exciting. What was it? Was it just a, a massive interest in mobile and apps or what got you to that space? Um. I'm mostly interested to do something that valuable to people and something job that I have uh, feedback immediately. Digital marketing is great um, opportunity if you want to grow as fast as possible. So I just uh, understood if you want to grow your career as fast as possible, you just want to join to the company, to the industry that will grow as fast as possible. So it's hard to build career in the industry that is not grow. And I understood, oh, it's IT, it's okay, digital, it's interesting for me, and I just started. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing that a lot in the marketplace. You know, a lot of people I ask who have app companies or do UA, they say, you know what I love? I love that everything is at the speed of change. You know, it's just never boring. You're never going to come in the office and see the same thing twice. It's always moving. Always got to watch your data. Data is always moving. Segmentation moving. Everything. Nothing dull at all. And of course, um, your app is so focused on our personal lifestyle. So even that is going to be fast moving, literally. I mean, a health and fitness app, great area to have an app, by the way. Um, tell me about Better Me. What exactly does it do for our listeners who maybe don't know about it and maybe want to download it? Okay. If we talk about Better Me, it uh, was joint decision with Better Me co-founder and my business partner, which is Vital Laptionok. After a couple of failed products before Better Me, uh, we decided to focus on modern day human problems while working at, on a genesis. My co-founder Vitaly and I noticed that rapidly growing demand for high quality health and fitness content in our social media because genesis previously have a really big media uh, Facebook pages and etc. Mm -hmm. We researched the industry deeper and found out that 7 out of 10 people in the United States are overweight now and 8 out of 10 will be by 2030. In the future this will constitute a major problem for most families in the world. We also found that the fitness app market has skyrocketed from virtually to nothing to 500 million in just a few years. Mm -hmm. A significant part of the larger fitness industry will migrate online, including mobile apps. So we decided to take advantage of this opportunity and try ourselves in creating something really valuable something that will affect in a good way people will help them to become more healthier and happier if we talk about better me what is uh, different from other health and fitness app because we understood that the key players in health and fitness cater 
to professional or semi-professional users if you analyze now key players. We, however, focused on providing simple, accessible solution for non-professionals mm -hmm. and the easy entry in the fitness world. And uh, it's just five-minute workout, just five-minute meal plans, preps, and etc. And our approach is uh, really unique because uh, high routine for weight loss is just first step that users don't want to train and start. And we begin from small challenges, from small positive steps. And because we mostly focus on non-professional people that maybe never ever go to the entry. Makes a lot of sense because, you know, normal people, um, first of all, there's a huge market of normal people, um, my being one of them, you know, and not everyone is professional. Not everyone wants to do the full out training, you know, training for the marathon training. So it makes sense to have just five minute, you know, routines per day. Um, I'm reading here and it might be a little old. So I want you to update me, please. So I've got within three years of launching, you reached the top five global grossing apps and top five of the U.S. app store category, health and fitness. So yes. you've done really, really well. Is that where you are now or is it even further along? Yeah, we may be now uh, if we uh, now have seven health and fitness application in our health and fitness family. Because mm -hmm. we not for, only focus on weight loss, we have also uh, fitness for men, we have also yoga, meditation, walking, running, and etc. Because we believe that if uh, people start follow healthy lifestyle, for example, they start to run. In the long run, they want to try yoga, try meditation, and try something else. So we provide bundles and it allows us to cross promo between our applications and also good marketing point because we build ecosystem of health and fitness app, not just only one focus app. So you have an ecosystem of apps, which is also yes. a great model. Um, we do have to go to break right now, but listeners don't go away because as you can hear, we have now discovered all we need to know about Better Me. So the next part of the program, we're going to be talking about how Victoria did this. How did she build an app that has reached such accolades, such growth, such um, incredible metrics? So don't go away. We'll be right back to the break. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the Mobile Growth Global Event Series where thousands of the world's top growth marketing experts come together to discover the latest in growth marketing innovation. We run events all around the world in cities like San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Berlin, Montreal, and more. And our candid panel discussions feature industry leaders including Facebook, Google, Uber, EA, and loads of other top-tier publishers. So, attend our lineup of intimate workshops and gain the in-demand skills you need to stay on top of your growth marketing game. Expand your professional network and build meaningful relationships in a fun, friendly, publisher-first environment. When and where can you get in on the action? Well, just visit mobilegrowthsummit.com for a complete list of upcoming shows. And if you should decide to join us, and I hope that you will, then be sure to use our special promo code MGSPODCAST30 for an additional 30% off your ticket order. Once again, that's MGSPODCAST30. 
all caps, no spaces, for 30% off of your order. We hope to see you there! I certainly hope to see you there, and please, enjoy the rest of our episode. And we're back, and we have Victoria Repa. She is CEO, co-founder of Better Me. Victoria, first of all, you know, a great sort of start into mobile. Um, you obviously know what you're doing, and uh, you've reached a lot, but what kind of monetization model do you have for your app currently? Yes, the key monetization model is now subscription. Okay. Because now we are mostly focused on developed market. But in the long run, as we go to Asia market and Latam, I understood that we will expand also and also used mixed also advertisement and maybe uh, also at e-commerce. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. So what would it be? E-commerce as like, I can buy all my training stuff, my gear, that yeah. sort of thing? Yeah, now we have uh, about 300,000 uh, active subscription in our application. Mm-hmm. And we understood that it's really a big community and we can try to upsell them something good stuff. Makes sense. Very smart, actually, too. You know, I'm hearing a little bit about that as well because um, you don't have to own the world when you have an app. It's good enough just to have a loyal audience and then you have their attention and you can say, you know, well, while you're here, you know, here's some gear you can check out. Here's other stuff because subscription, you know, subscribers are loyal, at least for the most part. And they, you know, that's, that's a very good start to do that. How are you getting new users? Are you primarily organic or what, what amount of your um, user base is coming through organic channels? 20-30% now. Okay, 30%. Mm-hmm. And most people I speak with, they say, okay, we get our good users through, not our good, but our high quality sort of loyal diehard users through organic. I guess that was for you, what, social? Yeah, mostly social networks. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of uh, mixing in perhaps paid going forward or native. Native would work really well with you because of content and people love to read about how to be healthy, how to be fit. How are you approaching, you know, getting people when it's not just, you know, an image on Instagram, for example? How are you doing that? Is that also very content focused for you? Of course, we have a big 20 people people's team that's Mm -hmm. working on content. It's mm-hmm. the best people that have United States education first, and also we also attract in the long term the best coaches. And we now mostly analyzed uh, how people uh, react on our content, what they do in order to what what special people do to lose weight in our application. Because except uh, active subscription, now we have about for three years, uh, maybe 35 million users installed because mm-hmm. we have some uh, premium. And mm-hmm. uh, for these three years, we just get a lot of data using some health kit and understood what people do to lose weight and how they behave yourself to achieve their results. And in the long run, we are now mostly working on artificial intelligence system that allow people to provide their correct meal plans and adjust meal plans in every day of diet and of course workout and the content. Because the 
key problems that I know that everyone understood how to lose weight. Mm-hmm. That's the key problem is motivation. Why I need this? So we are, of course, based mostly on behavioral things in mm-hmm. our approach. So some content that is motivational and also maybe yes. understanding um, your audience with some, you know, behavioral uh, yes. points in the data, maybe some psychographics as you, as you segment your users, you know, yes. people who are easily motivated, people who are, you know, giving up. I guess you, you use a lot of segmentation technology to that. Have you also gone very micro? Do you recommend that app marketers, if they have a lifestyle app, you know, how deep should they be going in their segmentation? You know, because I would imagine it's a bit more, it has to be personal. So it has to be more micro than macro. Uh, of course, you need to first every day to be successful in any niche to fall in love with your customer and mm-hmm. not fall in love with your product. <laughs> so if you want to fall in love with your customers, you need to understand as many feedback as possible from mm-hmm. there. But we understood that now there are really big problem of personal data and we have we are really need before uh, think three times if it's okay that from one side we really want to help our customer but from the other side that we as clearly as possible provide users that we use their information and what is information and in that way and why because it's really uh, yeah. this year it's only sensitive but if you want to fall in love in users you know to understand about them everything as, as they want to share with you yeah but it's always that problem you know gdpr it's always that thing because people do want personal relevant information um advertising communications but at the same time you know what is too personal that's always the question everyone has to decide for themselves yeah you've, you've reached First of all, your successful subscription app, which is itself quite an accomplishment. You know, not everyone can make it. Not every app can be a subscription app. What would you say is your um, proudest achievement or campaign to date? I mean, what is it where you say, you know, we did really well. um, I'm really pleased. And maybe share with us a little bit about how you did that. Every day, I just understand that it's just on the start. And maybe it's okay that I achieved as a small Ukrainian girl from the village, but it's not achievement really in the big global space. And by the way, now it's a, it's not the global company, and everyone tell about this like Uber or Airbnb. And uh, I understood that it's great start for me and for a company, but it just only start. It's about achieving, but yes, it's great that I tried to switch from boring company, as for me was that, yes, because for me it's not a good space corporate now. I like fail fast and cheap, I like test and learn, I like um, uh, speed is everything, and mm-hmm. uh, okay if people love corporation space, but I understood that. I love more startup atmosphere. And it's great that I test and learn what is best for me. 
Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that then, Victoria. I mean, great company, but also it helps to be able to fail and move on. What would you say is your, not your greatest personal failure per se, but the failure that you learned the most from? And how did you learn? What did you learn? I hope the key challenge for me is my team, uh, because now and better me about uh, 70 people and will grow as fast as possible. And as you understood, I was just finance manager, mm-hmm. <laughs> have no previous management uh, experience. And uh, the key, my problems will be in team management, as I understood now. Because in some places, I want to be good manager, I want to become family. But now I understood that I'm first, uh, we are not family, we are sporting, and I'm trainer. And if we want to win this game, I should be open and change any players if they are bad players because great people, it's not professional. Mm -hmm. So let's um, take a step back for a moment. So it's one thing to grow your app, grow your company, but it's another to be able to be flexible enough to say, okay, when this isn't working, I've got to do something and I've got to do something else quickly. That's all about, you know, fail fast, learn. Um, you like to test and learn, um, but fail cheap and fast. I'm seeing this as part of your strategy in digital marketing. Do you want to elaborate on that? What do you mean by fail cheap and fast? Yeah, especially when I switch to digital marketing, I understood that it's a seven heaven because you can try any campaign, any idea in messages, in creatives, in audience, and get result on the next day, just one day. And you spend maybe ten twenty dollars on this test. Uh, and uh, about fail fast and cheap, uh, I just uh, communicate to my team the key culture. If we understood that some test it's not too expensive for us we just not discuss it we just test because mm-hmm. the more key failure we will do we have only two outcomes the first outcomes it's success the second outcomes is the learning mm-hmm. so fail fast and cheap allows us learn as fast as possible, faster than our competitors, because I suppose that key problem will start in company, in team, when they understood that we ever, everything we know and stuff to test, especially in digital world. It's in, in the last year, company will die. Well, you know, that makes a lot of sense because I'm hearing that more in the marketplace as well, that no matter what you do, just having the data one way or another is a win. So if something doesn't work, then you have the data that says, hey, this doesn't work. Or you have other data around your audience and behavior. Either way, a positive or a negative is good because it just adds to that pool of data and helps you understand your audience. You say, as long as it's not too expensive. I'm just curious, Victoria. I mean, how much is, is too much? What kind of expense? You, know, you don't have to tell me exactly the amount, but you know, it's good to know what what, how a marketer should make a choice between what's worth it and what isn't? I suppose uh, if it's just uh, 1-2% of your revenue, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But 
I hope that everyone should understand their risky factor. When I was two years old, for me, risky, it's maybe $100. Now mm-hmm. it's maybe add something another zero. Yeah, yeah. It, it depends on the total revenue. Every CEO, every team leaders need to understand the risk. And it's, it's not the risk. It's payment for your education because team must every time learn. And learn, learning by doing, not just only to write the good books. Nope, absolutely agree with that. I mean, you talk about content being so key to your marketing as well. I mean, how do you tell if content is flying or failing? I'd, have to, I'd love to understand a little bit more about how you judge, since you've also told us, you know, one to 2% is okay to be sort of, you know, experimenting. What tells you when you've done something really well or you haven't? What KPIs tell you success or failure? If we talk about social media content, I learned that in social media, we only have between one and three seconds to capture the user's attention as mm. they scroll through their newsfeed. So we need to pack the messages, but at the same time, it's as simple as possible for the customer brain to absorb it. If uh, we talk about success, we use only analytical tools to decision-making and observing how many shares our posts have compared to average post engagement. Mm-hmm. Because share, is, for us, it's a crucial metric. And of course, then installs and etc. But the key point, if we provide something valuable, inspiring, educational for people they want to share, to share with their friends, to share with yourself, and hope it's content really useful for them, not just like. Mm-hmm. Because some, in sometimes people don't want to show what they like. What about, you know, part of your audience? Now, you've got an ecosystem of apps, which means you appeal to yeah. a large number of users, you know, not just female, not just millennial, male, everyone. You have something for everyone, which is great. And I'm going to have to check out your app as well after the show. So just at a high level, could you give our listeners some idea when they're thinking, oh, I want to target women. You know, I want to target that demographic because, of course, you know, we're the ones who are focused on fitness and lifestyle, typically, I would say. Do you have any thoughts for just at a high level, some do's or don'ts when you're creating or targeting women? What an app publisher should know? I, I hope uh, in terms of uh, how to target in success way, yes, you about that. So can you share a few? Lessons as I learned, because as I was such successful, maybe CEO in our accelerated big product company, Genesis, that after 12 men, I'm only one woman. So <laughs> I highly recommend it to have in the board, or it's good if you are a woman. Uh, first, uh, your team member should be 50-50, woman and man. It will be great. And then uh, be human, not only such any, not read books, just talk to people, talk to, talk to men, talk to women. Uh, it, it depends on uh, to what you want to promote. In some cases, I just uh, test on my mom or my grandmother because it's a key audience. I understood how they uh, take advantage, they're really lazy, they don't want to start it, etc., etc. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's some real advice. I mean, one is, you know, diversity in the company. If you're going to be targeting women or creating content for women using your app, then my goodness, you have to have women somewhere yeah. in the company. Oh, absolutely. Help you figure it out. So it's like, you know, what that, that movie, right? You know, what women really want. And, and you can certainly tell them as a woman as well. And, and running your company. How do you do that with your own team building? Have you then therefore, you know, made an effort to be very diverse or did it just happen? You know, how do you approach that to maintain this momentum inside your own company? Uh, I hope we just uh, start naturally. And uh, maybe as I understood the psychology of women, it's uh, easy for me to coach them and help them to achieve their results. Because I know that men, in some cases, they can't provide strict feedback to women. As a result, they will grow not fast as men because many men managers, as I have problem in my team, they can't provide to maybe junior women tough feedback and it's really bad situation. It's nice to hear, however, that you're also mentoring or, or, or coaching women you know, in your team. Where do you actually go or network or where would you suggest women listening in how they should, um, you know, up their game as, as app entrepreneurs? Is there, is there some place that they should be going, something they should be do to be networking? I don't know if you're a member of any organizations or Slack channels. What would your tip be to them if they want to be ultimately like you? I suppose that mentorship is very popular now and it's a great thing but you really shouldn't wait for someone to come and teach you stuff. Make things happen. Don't let the lack of teachers in your life stop you from achieving your goals. And you just go to the conference and see someone Mm -hmm. that will be better than you in something. And you just go to them and just ask for coaching. Okay, maybe 50% say, oh, no. But maybe this will be only 1% that say, yes, it will change your life. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're speaking at uh, a Mobile Growth Summit event as well coming up in New York City. Is, is that your first or are you uh, now making sort of Mobile Growth Summit part of your calendar? Uh, no, it's part of my calendar because I should to go to the, some business partners to the United States. So it's mm-hmm. three, four, two weeks for me. So during that time, you know, listeners might be able to catch up with you at the event. But in the meantime, if they love what they're hearing and they're saying, well, you know, I can learn a lot from Victoria or I can learn about subscription apps or, hey, I just want to just want to connect with you at some level. Maybe they can also in the other direction also offer some coaching, whatever. If they just want to reach out and connect, what's the best Um, way to do it? It's uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I'm everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> uh, active, want to share experience, want to learn from each other because uh, we really don't know what we know, don't know. I love it. I love that, Victoria. That is so true. And we're going to have some notes in our show notes about how people can connect with you. And of course, you're going to be speaking in New York. We'll have your video later on the YouTube channel. Plenty of ways to keep up to date with you. And listeners, friends, thanks for listening to this episode of Mobile Growth Podcast. A quick reminder to visit mobilegrowthsummit.com for a complete list of our upcoming events. And don't forget to use the very special promo code MGS Podcast 30 for 30% off of your offer 
offer. We hope to see you there. And in the meantime, of course, you can check out this and every other episode in our series posted on mobilegrowthsummit.com and on SoundCloud coming soon to more channels, providing you more ways to listen in. So watch for that. We'll watch for you and we'll see you soon. Bye.